Welcome back to the Sporting Max Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Becker's Facilities. High pressure washing, facility maintenance, builders clean and commercial sanitization. They do it all. Check them out at beckersfacilities.com.au. Here's your host, Max Becker. Welcome to the podcast, John. How are you? Good, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. So John, can you tell me about uh, your childhood and what growing up was like for you? Yeah, so um, I'm from a small country town in WA, so Margaret River. Grew up there with uh, my older brother and older sister, so I'm the youngest. Um, and just, yeah, just played a lot of footy, a lot of basketball growing up. Um, graduated year 12 and then moved up to Perth to try and get drafted and managed to get drafted from East Fremantle uh, and then went to Collingwood for three years. So that's pretty much the basics. So small country town boy. So I, I enjoy getting back in, um, to the, all the quiet places of the world. So that's pretty much all it is. When did you realise that you could make a career out of playing footy? Uh, probably late, as or late as in like probably 16, 17. I wasn't actually the best footy player growing up. Um, and then it started clicking for me a bit around, you know, year 10, 11 and 12 and I was actually right. So it was probably then when I started thinking um, and, you know, talking to the parents and stuff that if you're going to go down this road, there's decisions I had to make of regarding how to be professional and, you know, putting them extra time into training and trying to get better. So it was probably around then, I reckon, year 11. How would you describe your game? Yeah, um, I don't know. I, for me, my personal strength, I'm pretty quick for a big bloke and um, and I do like, you know, trying to break tackles and stuff like that. So it's a bit of a weird one because depending on where I play, my game changes a bit. So as a defender, I'm probably a bit more of a marking player and don't really take the game on because there's yeah. a lot, lot of things you can stuff up as a defender so you don't want to give away goals. Whereas, you know, I'm playing forward now, so just trying to be a bit explosive and um, just my biggest thing is trying to be unpredictable to defenders because, you know, if they don't know what you're doing, then hopefully you can just get the ball and run a mark. So. Can you tell me about the draft process you undertook in 2013? Yeah, so I briefly touched on it. So, like, I, yeah, so I played country um, and then played in, like, the senior team in the country my last year in uh, 2012. So I played with, like, um, grown men when I was 16 and then moved up to Perth to play under 18s for East Romano. So it's pretty much like um, Victoria's under 18. So we call it Colts over in WA. Um, managed to get into the state side there, played three state games. And I honestly, it was probably a bit of an up and down year for myself personally. I didn't really play that well, but showed a couple of glimpses of what I could do. Um, and then so we went away to the state carnival. We played in Victoria and then came back, finished the year in the Colts. We didn't make finals. Um, and yeah, like I said, I had a pretty inconsistent year, but managed to get an invite to the draft combine, the national draft combine. Um, so that was when you come over to Victoria for a week and you do all the testing. Um, I tested okay. I did pretty well in the 20 meter sprint, which was my best um, a testing thing. So that was that was good. Uh, and then, yeah, you just have lots of interviews with clubs and then you just go back home and wait for draft night, try and keep fit. And then, yeah, I was lucky enough to get called out um, to Collingwood. What score did you get in that 20 metre test, sprint test? I got 2.78. So Ooh. as far as I'm concerned, it's the quickest, second quickest. I think Joel Wilkinson got me at 2.75. But I've heard that there's definitely people breaking it outside of the combine. So, But I'll, I'll take that record in the second best. 
You were taken by Collingwood at pick 77 in that draft. What was it like for you when you heard your name called out? Uh, I actually didn't hear it um, because <laughs> my brother went my brother went drafted a year before at pick 44 and all he said the whole day was how long that took to call out to get to pick 44. Um, so I thought I was... I had I was a bit ahead of myself. I thought I was going to go a bit earlier. So when it started to get into the pick sixties, a lot of clubs were just elevating their own rookies. So that's everyone pretty much knows that's like draft done. Um, so you know everyone was elevating rookies, and then Tom Langdon went Collingwood pick sixty one, I think. And then uh, seriously after that was everyone elevating their own rookies. So I just stopped paying attention. I actually um, started tearing up a bit, thinking, "Yeah, I've missed the draft." And then. Uh, pick 77 Collingwood came and my mum just started screaming at me saying I went to Collingwood I didn't didn't even hear it so um, she was screaming in my ear so after that it was a bit of a party at the house but yeah but that uh, I reckon from pick 60 onwards I just zoned out and wasn't really paying attention you didn't make your Collingwood debut until round 19 2015 what was that sort of waiting game like for you and what was that week in the lead up to your debut like yeah um, at the time I remember that that was the longest weight of my life waiting two years for uh, to play AFL but looking back on it it's just doesn't really it doesn't really matter at all I was 19 at the time it's it's honestly not that it's not that long um but for me it was good because I just I was in a lot of I talked to Bucks at the time a lot and all my coaches and just every week it was just knocking on the door what can I do to get better or like why wouldn't I be playing a game and getting that feedback and just trying to work on it um so it was really good I think because I got drafted as a forward and I moved as a defender I think that really fast-tracked a bit of my development to be a, a key back in the AFL system. Um, and then the week the week of the game was it was a bit weird one because the week before I was an emergency and they decided to debut Matt Schoenberg instead of me. There was a choice between us two yep. key defenders. So I was shattered at that. So I was in the rooms um, and Matt was sitting next to me and he said, yeah, Matt, quick, come on, you're playing for his first game. And I was just so gutted. So then we went oh. to... Uh, the next day we were playing Williamstown at Williamstown, which is, and it was like the most disgusting day for football I've ever seen. Um, and I played really well. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, I had quite a bit of the ball as a fullback and then uh, managed to get the debut the, the next week, which was really good because my mum was over for that weekend and then she flew home to Perth and then she had to, the whole family had to fly back again. So it was pretty cool because I don't know, a lot of people actually don't play a lot of AFL. Um, so to even just get a debut and, and have family and stuff there was pretty pretty good. Just the year after your debut game, you announced your retirement to go to WA. Why did you retire and what was that making that sort of decision like for yourself? Yeah, so uh, for yeah, for the three years I was at Collingwood, I wasn't exactly um, I wasn't enjoying myself. It was more like my mental state was just deteriorating. Um, and by the time I probably caught where I was at and really became self-aware. Um, I just thought that being in the AFL environment, because as much as it's a blessing to be in the AFL environment, but it's a pressure system, it's a pressure cooker of a of an industry, and I just wasn't really handling it too well. So I just thought if I'm going to really take my um, health and well-being serious, I, I probably had to step away from that. Um, and there was, there was other paths I could have taken and stayed, remained at Collingwood but I just thought for myself just to go back um, be you know completely sabotaged with just an AFL life would be the best thing for me so that decision was pretty full on but that was made over four months I reckon um, obviously 
there was a lot of behind the scenes things of me, um, you know, seeing sites and, and working all that out. But by the, when I did it, it was actually one of the best days ever. I just felt um, really calm, relaxed, and I just felt a lot of weight was off my shoulders. And then I just went back to Eastern Manor where I got drafted from and played footy for them. And I trained with them for a bit and it just, it just felt really good. So that those two years was really important for me to yeah, rebound and, and be where I am now. In 2019, you were signed as a rookie by the Saints. What did that sort of mean to you at the time? And what was your view on joining the club? Yeah, it was it was interesting because um, so I, when I retired and went to Perth, I actually met my girlfriend um, the day I moved home. So that was pretty. That was a good decision for me. Um, and it was her decision to move to Melbourne because she wanted to pursue her studies. And I just said, yeah, I can. I was obviously still going trying to get drafted, but I didn't get drafted that draft. So I just said, yeah, I can, you know, play a VFL and I'll have another crack. And um, just so happened that yeah, I got the call up to be a rookie with St Kilda a week before round one, but. I just because it was so out of the blue, it just caught me off guard because I understood that you know the supplement player program was still available, but I just didn't think that I'd be one of them. So I was just happy to tick along at, at Richmond VFL and, and enjoy my year there. But got the call up, and it was just a whirlwind of a three days. I just went from being a VFL player and working full time to going back on an AFL list. It was pretty cool, uh, and to be able to share that, you know, with my girlfriend who was in Melbourne and. And she saw the behind the scenes stuff. It was, it was pretty cool to, to then just be welcomed into the St. Kilda Footy Club. You made your debut for the Saints in round seven last year. And in that game, you kicked your first goal for the red, white and black. Can you take us through the moment, your moments in that first goal? Yeah, well, yeah, it was a weird one because I didn't play any forward. And then they decided to play me forward the week before. And then I just somehow managed to get my debut to see how that very tall forward line looked with me, Tim Embry and Josh Bruce. So... I didn't have a great game, um, but yeah, I, I remember I marked the ball the, just outside, or just inside 50, my position before, and I missed my set shot or didn't make the distance. And so when I marked this one, I was just thinking, I need to kick a goal here, um, <laughs> so don't miss this one. So when I was running in, I was just, I was so nervous and so stiff, and then it kind of helicoptered a bit, but I went through. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of blanked out about that. I was just stoked and gave a good little roar to the crowd and all the boys got around me. So it was, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, obviously, we we got beaten and I didn't play well, but it was pretty nice to walk away. Yeah, it was a bit of a comeback story for myself personally. So that was pretty cool. You played great in this um, 2020 preseason, um, in the preseason game, especially versus the Hawks in front of 10,000 at Moorabbin. What does that sort of mean to yourself and the club to play back at Moorabbin again? Yeah, um, we we played fantastic that day. We we still talk about that day. That was one of those days where footy felt really natural and clicked. But being back at Moorabbin is pretty cool. Um, obviously, I've I've only experienced Moorabbin football since I've got drafted. We were we've always been situated outside of Moorabbin. But just talking to the players and staff, and even the supporters that live around there, just um, they really feel like when we weren't at Moorabbin, there was a lot of our identity as a football club was just not there and not as strong. So to return, um, all the people, seriously, all the fans that were there pretty much lived there. They, they were just so stoked to have a back. So um, we'll look forward to next preseason doing the same thing. It's just, it's great. The atmosphere was good. That, that kind of felt like a nearly near on finals footy. And it was, yeah, what was it? Preseason game one. It was, it was pretty special. I've heard from some of the boys that uh, Jared Geary and Hannah's the pests at the club. Who do you yep. think's the biggest pest at the club? Those two are pests. Um, big time Hannah's <laughs> Hannah's Geary not so much for me he, he doesn't get on my nerves as much but Hannah's is a big 
big pest. Um, always messaging in the group chats and just been annoying. But uh, me, yeah, look, I'm best friends with him, but Nick Iron's annoying, annoying, very annoying. <laughs> He's loud. He always screams at everyone. Um, me and my girlfriend are talking to her. He always walks with a real strut walking into everywhere, which is just... <laughs> he's arrogant he's arrogant for 49 years old so <laughs> i've also heard that you're pretty handy at um playing basketball and can dunk some say you're the best at balling at the club um what's your point yeah. of this? <laughs> uh i take my basketball very seriously um so yeah i I'd, i'm gonna i'll put out the challenge to the boys that i would be the best at the club however sam alabacus who played college um reckons he's the best but he for some reason, would never play me one-on-one, ever. <laughs> he backs down from it. So as far as I'm concerned, as if you don't accept that challenge, then you don't deserve to be called number one. But um, in the off-season, a lot of us boys, yeah, get together and do 3v3. Will, Callum Wilkie is one of the best shooters I've ever seen as well. So me and him like to team up, um, just pop threes. But yeah, it's pretty fun that a lot of the boys have a basketball background or really enjoy it. So that's good for me. Who do you think is the fastest at the club? Well, I don't want to toot my own horn again, but I like to think I'm up there, but I'm probably getting a bit older now. Uh, who's the fastest? Nick Hine would have to be up there, unfortunately, yeah. I've got to say him. But um, I reckon like a left, left a field, like Nick Coffield is lightning yeah. quick yeah, and no one, uh, no one talks about it a lot enough, but he is seriously quick, so he'd probably be up there as well. Your contract with the Saints is up at the end of the year. Do you think you'll stay at the club for more years to come or what's your perspective on playing at the club? Yeah, um, yeah, contracts are obviously a challenging part of football and especially this year that's just everything's been thrown up in the air. But I really love my time at St Kilda and I appreciate the fact that they you know, dragged me out of the VFL um, randomly in my eyes. It, it was pretty good so yeah if I get to spend more time at the club I'll, I'll be a very happy man and um, that would be my my preference is to receive a contract here and and, and stay here um, yeah I, I'm really good friends with a lot of the boys and I think the age bracket and the, the talent and everything we've got here is, is a big positive for you know this year and, and in the future so I'd love to be a part of that in some way. How's the hub up there in Noosa and um, do you have to share like an apartment or room with any of the boys? Yeah, the hub's the hub's different. Obviously, um, it's it's weird to to share every part of your life with everyone in the club at all times, which is a bit of an adjustment for you know everyone, coaches and players and staff alike. It's it's strange because usually you just come to the club for your eight hours a day and then and then screwed off home and and probably not see each other again. So being in each other's pockets is strange, but you know it's fantastic. We've got a great facility up here. Um, I was rooming with Nick Hine for the first eight weeks or so and then our partners came up so we've been split up and I'm now I'm in an apartment with my girlfriend which is good nice and casual and cruisy but yeah we're we're loving up here in Noosa um you know I think all the boys feel as fresh as possible because we're right next to the beach and we get to go for a swim and and enjoy the sun a bit so as much as this is a pretty up and down season I think we've been blessed to be up here We've recently had you mate on the podcast Nick Hind what's it like to be mates with him and what's it like to play in a game with him yeah, he's a special man. Obviously, I, I think you would have got that um, for your podcast. He's good. He's a good bloke. He's he's very funny, um, very caring guy. Actually, that's what caught me off by surprise when I first met him. He, he wraps his arms around me pretty quick, and I don't know if you sit back and just watch him around the boys. He's he's always on. He's always a, a ten out of ten for energy and intensity. Uh, makes everyone laugh, and 
And yeah, so and I think that carries across with his games. We, him and I, both really enjoy playing together because we bounce off each other a bit. And I like to talk some some crap on field. He'll join me, and we'll have a bit of a laugh as well. So I think we keep each other pretty grounded. And he's one of those blokes that you can really feel comfortable going out and playing with. Can you tell me about your goal in the VFL last year against Geelong at Geelong? Yeah, I can tell you about that. That was a great goal. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, was just, for some reason, and I'll never have it again, but I got the ball switched from Sam Fox, who played for the Zebs that year, um, and he just switched it to me, and I looked up, and there was just no one on one side of the field. For some reason, Geelong, and they beat us that day. They played really well that day, but for some reason, the whole defence fell apart there, and I just kept running, and... Um, yeah, no one came at me either, so I just thought, I got past 50, I thought, oh, I'm just going to have a pinky, and it went through, so I was playing on Wiley Buzzer, Wiley Buzzer at the time, I think he kicked an early goal on me, so I evened the scorecard there and went up and tried to razz him a bit, so I was pretty happy with that, so it was a good goal. Andy gave us that one, so... Yeah, oh, there we go, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would be your advice to any young kid trying to make his, a pathway for himself into the AFL? Yeah, I think... As much as you can't look at myself as being a, you know, a regular, consistent AFL footballer, I certainly got advice early on, you know, from parents and and um, people involved in football a lot. Is that any extra time you can put into your craft, whatever it is, um, is valuable at whatever age you want to do it. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter, and it's not going to overload you too much. But um, my mum always said, yeah, to go down with my brother and just do extra kicks, extra handballs off the trampoline at the back of the house. We just put that up to the side and do a bit of touch. So just things like that. You just, if you walk around with a footy in your hands for, you know, your childhood, it, it certainly pays dividends longer on. Um, sorry, later on in your life. Um, that'd be my advice is just like, it, it didn't seem like a chore. Um, me and my brother would always just, you know, if we were bored, we'd, we'd go out and kick the footy. And I understand not everyone has a brother or friend, close friends that live near them that, that can do that. But that was our upbringing. We just, we just did it all the time. So if uh, my advice would just be, yeah, trying to have fun with it. But any day that, uh, even if you just kick for 15 minutes, it's honestly, it's, it's improving you for the 15 minutes more than if you didn't do it. Thanks, John, for coming on the podcast. It's been great to have you on board. No, no dramas. Absolute pleasure, man. I appreciate it very much. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. Please like this episode and follow us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. This episode was brought to you by Becker's Facilities, your one-stop shop for facility maintenance services.